detail here in Genesis chapter 41. He's orchestrating all the things together in this story for his glory and for the good of his people. And it's a wonderful thing to behold. And you know, God in this, in this account, he takes Joseph from rags to riches, literally. He takes him from the prison to the palace. And everything that had happened up happened in Joseph's life up to this point, he may, may not have understood. He may not have been able to make sense out of anything that God had allowed in his life. But after what happens in this chapter, it all started to make sense. Uh, once God's sovereign purposes became known to Joseph, I dare say he didn't mind having to go through everything that he had to go through. And you know, the fact is, you may feel like your story is over today. In the chapter that you find yourself in. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you'll trust God and his sovereign plan for your life, he's still able to take your story that you feel like is over and orchestrate the details of it for his glory and for your good. Your story isn't over until God, God says it's over. He's still in charge. He can take even the worst of circumstances and make something good about them. And by the way, let me tell you something about your story. You'd be willing to trust the Lord. I can promise you that the plans that God has for you are good. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse number 11. The Lord said there, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And God has an expected end. He already knows the end from the beginning for every one of our lives. He knows where he wants to take us to. And the place he wants to take us to in life is a good place. And you can be sure of that. And so my question for you this morning as we begin is, whatever chapter of your story of life you find yourself in, would you be willing to trust God's sovereign plan for you? Not all chapters are as good as others. Some chapters are filled with hurts and disappointments and wounds and all those types of things. But God can take even those chapters and turn the page and bring good throughout, throughout all of those things. Like we sang a moment ago, even what the enemy means for evil, God turns it for our good and for his glory. And what a wonderful truth that is for us to hold on to. And so as we jump into Genesis 41 today, I want you to see with me five ways you must learn to trust God's sovereign plan. He's a God that can take you from rags to riches, from the prison to the palace, but you've got to learn to trust him. You jump the gun, um, then you may not realize what God had intended for you. Um, and so, five ways you need to learn to trust God's sovereign plan. And before we jump into this, let me pray and ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open your word. And Lord, you know that uh, I desperately need uh, your Holy Spirit to uh, communicate your word to your people today. I don't have the strength, don't have the awareness of mind to be able to communicate your truth um, in any more than an academic sense. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach from the heart and not the head today. I pray that you'd speak to us in a way that only you can and minister to the deep needs of our heart, whether we realize that we have these needs or not. I pray you make them known Help us to learn the steps that you have us take to go forward in trusting you even today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Five ways you must learn to trust God's sovereign plan for your life. Number one, if you're taking notes, trust God in your delays. Trust God in your delays of life. Now, the beginning of chapter number 41 tells us this. Let's read the first phrase together. Are you ready? 
chapter 41, here we go. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Whoa. Remember what just happened. Joseph had just interpreted a dream for two prisoners, the baker and the butler. One of them died, one of them lived, and he asked the one who lived to, be, to put in a good word for him, to help him get out of prison. No word was ever spoken in those two years. And for two full years, Joseph remained forgotten in that prison. I think the emphasis there is on the amount of time that transpired. The Bible is very adamant about expressing two full years went by, and I promise you, Joseph felt every second of it. Condemned in that prison. It's easy to overlook the fact that this great amount of time goes by where Joseph still is in this forgotten place. And no doubt he felt forgotten and he felt forsaken. And he wondered where God was at in the middle of everything that was going on in his life. And yet little did he know what God was doing behind the scenes. Look at verse number one again. As the Bible goes on, it says, And it came to pass at the, at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, or, or cattle, uh, and they were fat-fleshed, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood, uh, stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. Well, that's a little bit different. The skinny ones eating the big ones. All right. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, raking good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And so Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was all a dream. Now, in God's perfect timing here. It's amazing to see how God orchestrated this. In this perfect timing, he brought about the very thing that, result, that would result in both Joseph's deliverance and consequently in the salvation of the whole world of that day. God allowed for the uh, world superpower of that day, the leader of the world superpower of that day, to have these dreams. These dreams that troubled him. And uh, the Bible tells us that the dreams were both similar here. One of them was about cattle, and one of them was about corn. And uh, both of them carried a, a grave sense of significance. Uh, we, we, we see that communicated in the fact that the word behold is repeated multiple times as, a, as the dreams are being told. Behold, behold. It was, just, it was just shocking to Pharaoh to see the things that were transpiring. And these two dreams he had that night were dreams that he knew. They were, to, they, they, they were sent from a divine authority, and they had some significance, and Pharaoh needed to know what those dreams meant. And so the next day, the Bible says in verse number 8, that he did something about it. And the Bible says in verse 8, it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh called for all the sorcerers in Egypt. He called for all the scholars in the land and asked them to interpret what his dream meant. But make no mistake about this, none of those worldly wise men had the capacity to give an interpretation for divine revelation. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 talks about how God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. 
And the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 9, that I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has the heart begun to comprehend the things which God has prepared for them that love Him, but God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. And you understand that the only people that can understand the deep truth of God's Word are the people of God. And the, the world that wise men couldn't make sense of God's divine revelation that he had given to Pharaoh on that night. Pharaoh couldn't make sense of it. And so the fact is, Pharaoh didn't know what his dreams meant. And the fact that he had no reason, no interpretation for his dreams troubled him deeply. Now we understand on this side of the story that God allowed all this to happen so that he could raise up Joseph, his servant, to be put in a place of, place of significance. But here's what I want you to understand at this point in the story. Joseph knew nothing about anything that was going on here. He's still sitting in prison. He thinks he's forgotten. He doesn't know what God was doing over here and how God was orchestrating things and getting ready to raise him up out of prison and make him the most powerful man in the world. He couldn't see any of those things that were going on. All he could do at this point in this chapter of his story was to just trust that even though he didn't know what God was doing, God knew what he was doing. Even though it seemed like his life had been delayed from the great dream that God had given him when he was 17 years old. All he could do in the chapter he was in was just wait on God. That's all he could do. And I say to you this morning, you can trust God in the seasons of your life that you feel like are delays. And we sang the song a moment ago, God is working in our waiting. In the waiting seasons of life. We don't always get to see what he's doing. We don't always get to feel like he's working. I can promise you something. God's always at work. He's always orchestrating the details of this world for the benefit of his people. You might you write this down in your heart, maybe on a piece of paper, because this is significant. God's delays are not God's denials. When where's we said that? God's delays are not God's denials. Listen, just because you ask God for something and God says not yet, doesn't mean that he, that he means not at all. It might not be the season for it. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us there's a season for everything. And God has appointed those seasons. And we're not in charge of those seasons. And so what you can do in the season you're in, even if it feels like it's a delayed season, even if it feels like you're not getting what you're supposed to be getting, what you can do in the season you're in is just trust God. That's what Joseph had to determine to do in the season that he was in. And, you know, if you'll wait on God, you can trust that he's going to bring about his sovereign purposes in his own time. I like what Isaiah 64 and verse 4 says. It says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what you have prepared for him that waits for you. The person that waits on God you won't, you won't get to see what God has in store until he's done it. But boy, you'll be glad you waited on the Lord. And so Joseph found himself in this position. And, uh, you know, just note in your mind the significance of God's perfect timing here. Joseph, if he had gotten what he had asked for, if Joseph had been released two years before, what do you think Joseph would have done? If, if the butler had put in a good word for him and he got released from prison when he asked to be released, well, Joseph would have went back home. Joseph would have went back to his father and his brothers, and, and the story would read a lot differently. But God kept him in that prison 
He didn't understand why. He didn't know what God was doing. And God kept him in that prison for two more years so that God could raise him out of that prison, make him the most powerful man in the world, and, and through him save the world from a, from a time of desperate famine. I dare say that two more years was not too long to wait from Joseph's perspective after he, after he understood what God had in store. And I say to you this morning, though your waiting season may seem very long, just keep trusting God. His timing is always perfect. I like to say it this way, God is always right on time. He's never early, he's never late, he's always right on time. And you can trust in God's timing. And though you may not understand it, and though you may feel like his timing is wrong, he has a reason for doing things the way he's doing Him, doing them just Trust him. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. And sometimes it's hard to wait for that due season. But just keep on doing right. Just keep on doing well, and in due season, you'll reap the benefit. And so the first truth we learn as we look at the uh, sovereignty of God this morning is that we need to learn to trust God in the delayed seasons of life. Number two this morning, the second way you must learn to trust God's sovereign plan for your life is this, trust God with your situation. Not only trust God in your delays, but number two, trust God in your situation. Now as the story continues, look at verse number nine with me. You're still with me. Say amen. amen. I only got one who's conked out so far, okay? Um, and he does it every week, so I'm just going to pick on him because he's not even listening to me anyways, okay? And <laughs> uh, Mike will go back and listen to us at some point in time, and he'll know. But verse number 9, the Bible says, Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servant, and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, and I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was with us a young man, a Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dream, to each man according to the, a, a dream he did interpret. Came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me, he restored to mine office, and him, he hanged. Now notice how God, God used this circumstance, this situation, to remind the chief butler about Joseph. Now, when that butler had gotten released from prison, the last thing he wanted to think about was being in prison. And he especially didn't want to talk to the, to the guy who had put him in prison about it. He wanted Pharaoh to forget it, and he wanted to forget it. And it, it, didn't, it was not something that, want, that he wanted to cross his mind. And yet, when he saw Pharaoh in this predicament, his master, he realized, hey, there's somebody I know who can interpret dreams. And I need to tell Pharaoh about it. And so the chief butler, uh, in God's sovereign purposes, he stepped forward to speak up on Joseph's behalf. And here's what I find is significant about this. Though Joseph seems to have been forgotten about by, forgotten about by everybody else, it was never forgotten by God. God knew exactly where he was the whole time that he was in that prison. You make no mistake about it. You can trust God with your situation today as well. He will not forget about you. And sometimes when uh, the delayed seasons of life come upon us, we get to places where we wonder if God really knows what we're going through, if God even sees us anymore. But listen, in God's perfect timing, he's able to work out your situation in a way better than what you could possibly comprehend. I'm reminded of the story of Mordecai. 
Uh, how many of you ever read the book of Esther before? Uh, Mordecai was a relative of Esther. And uh, the Bible tells us, so I have to abbreviate the story, that Mordecai uh, got wind of a plot to kill the Assyrian king. And he went and he foiled that, 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 those evil men's plan to kill their king. But after he'd done so, he got no recognition for doing it. He, did, he hadn't done it for recognition, but he got no recognition for doing it. The Bible tells us, meanwhile, that Mordecai had gotten an enemy. The king's right-hand man, whose name was Haman, he started to hate Mordecai. In fact, he started to hate the people of Mordecai, the Jewish people. And he devised a plot to kill, to lead the king to kill Mordecai. Well, even as the uh, Haman was devising this plot in his home, the next day he was going to come talk to the king about it. God wouldn't let the king sleep that night. The Bible says he was so restless, he got up. And you know you have to be really restless if you get up and start reading the newspaper. All right? And he got up and he started having his servants read to him the, the records of all the things that had been transpiring in the kingdom. And wouldn't you know that God allowed him to hear a story about a guy named Mordecai who had thwarted a plot to kill him. And the king said, did we do anything for that guy? He saved my life. The next day, Haman comes in, and he's going to talk to the king about killing Mordecai. When he walks into the king, the king says, what do you think we should do for a person who's really honorable in this kingdom? Of course, Haman thought the king was talking about him. And Haman said, I think that we should set him on the, uh, in the royal chariot and dress him in the royal garments and, and have someone march before him throughout the streets of the city and declare, this is what, God, this is what the king will do for someone uh, who, 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 who desires to please him. I don't remember exactly what he said there. And Haman thought, well, that's, that's, that's going to be nice when I get to ride in that chariot. And the king said, that is that's a great idea. I want you to go get Mordecai, and I want you to march him around the kingdom. <laughs> Even what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for the good of his people. You know, God, in his sovereign ability, is able to speak up on your behalf in the same way. In your situation, you might feel forgotten. You might feel like there's nobody for you. I promise you, God is for you. You just keep being faithful to him. And you can trust God's sovereign plan no matter what situation you might find yourself in life. I like Psalm 9, verse 10. It says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. God won't forsake you today. By the way, I'll just mention this. God has put an advocate for you in heaven, Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's our advocate. He's ever interceding on our behalf. I'm glad there's somebody in heaven who's ever speaking to God on my behalf. No matter what situation I'm going through in life. So number one, you want to learn to trust God's sovereign plan? You must trust God in your delays. Number two, you must trust God with your situation. Number three this morning, you must trust God with your inabilities. Trust God with your inabilities. Now look at verse number 14. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. The Bible says in verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself, what a disappointment, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that, that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. So after Pharaoh received this information about Joseph from the butler, immediately he, he commanded Joseph to be brought out of prison and
began to stand before him. And boy, what a surprise it must have been to Joseph that day. All of a sudden, the, the, the gates of the prison open up, and he hears these soldiers coming down, and they begin to drag him up. And he's thinking, what did I get, what did I get accused of now? Uh, the, but the, uh, the soldiers told him, no, you're going to go stand before Pharaoh. And uh, all these thoughts must have been going through Joseph's mind. But in that Egyptian culture, um, they wouldn't allow uh, anyone to stand before Pharaoh unless they'd been prepared. And uh, unlike the Hebrews, the Egyptians, uh, they didn't wear beards. They, they, they remained shaved. Um, and so they made him shave at that point in time. And I'll just stop here and say this here. Uh, someone once said there are only two types of people who don't have beards, women and children. Okay? <laughs> and I'll just leave it there. But uh, anyways, uh, you're going to give me a really hard time about that, okay? But uh, uh, they, they made him shave and stand before Pharaoh, and then he was presented before Pharaoh. And once Joseph stood there, Pharaoh began to tell him about why he had been brought. And Pharaoh asked him, are you able to interpret my dreams? And I want you to notice Joseph's honest and humble response. Verse 16. The Bible says, and Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, and read this with me out loud. It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Joseph didn't hesitate to tell Pharaoh, I can't do it. But my God can do it. I can't do it. But my God can do it. Joseph had gone through enough in his life to understand his own inability. You remember, Joseph had some dreams years before. He never interpreted those dreams, did he? He, didn't, he, he, never, he never asked God for the ability to interpret those dreams. But when he was put in prison at a low point in his life, Joseph learned to trust in God's ability to enable him to do things that he could never do in his own power to interpret dreams. And now, from that low point in the prison, God raised him up to the palace, and in the low points and in the high points, he understood that he needed to depend on God if he was going to be able to do anything for God. And so Joseph said, I can't do it, but my God can do it through me, and I'm going to trust him. And if you say you need your dream interpreted, I believe my God can tell you what your dream means. And so they went forward with it. The Bible tells us in verses 17 through 24, Joseph, or Pharaoh began to retell the details of his dream to Joseph again. Uh, I'll spare you from reading through that again here. Uh, much, much, this, much the same as to what we read before in the beginning of the chapter. Pharaoh just retells the dreams that he had had. And after Joseph had made this, this bold claim that, that his God could interpret the dream, I want you to notice what Pharaoh said at the end after he retold his dreams. Verse number 24. The end of verse 24. He retells his dreams and then he says, And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it unto me. Pharaoh essentially said, listen, I told everybody else in this kingdom this, and nobody can tell me what it means. Can you tell me what it means? Can your God do what none of the gods of Egypt could do? What a bold question that was presented to Joseph at that point in time. And by the way, we understand this set the stage for God to get great glory. You know, Pharaoh himself was considered a god in Egyptian culture. He was considered to be the incarnation of Ra, the, the chief Egyptian god. And Joseph, standing before Pharaoh, was able to declare, none of the gods of Egypt can do a thing, but my God, Jehovah, he can do something here. Where no other God can, where no other man can, my God can. And I'm going to tell you, 
in your story, in your season of life that you find yourself in, though you may not fully understand what God is doing, God very well may be giving you the opportunity to learn to trust in his ability in the middle of your inability. You know, parenting is a humbling thing. A lot of times I feel incapable to be able to, to know how to raise these kids for the Lord. In your job, you may feel this way. God often brings us to points in life where we feel unable, and it is through those seasons of life he wants to teach us not to rely on our own ability or skill, but to rely in his power, in his power alone. And that's significant for us to understand. He wants to bring you to a point like Joseph where you learn to say, I can't do it, but my God can do it. But my God can do it. I like what the Bible says in Mark 10, 27. Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, the prophet Zechariah said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts. And that's how anything great is to be accomplished in our life. You mark this down. The only way to accomplish God's purposes in your life is by God's power. You cannot do God's will your way. You can only do God's will God's way. You try to do it in this power of your flesh, the arm of flesh will fail you. Your strength needs to be in the Lord. Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you try to do God's will your own way, you can't do it. Listen, it is impossible to do the will of God. It is impossible to live the Christian life in your own power. It is only possible by the power of the Spirit of God. And I say to you today, the Lord said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And if you find yourself in a season of life where you don't feel able, when you don't feel up to the task of what's being asked of you, you are in a good place, friend, because that's where you can start trusting God to do what you know you can't do on your own. God can give you power you didn't even know you had. God can give you strength you didn't even know was possible. God can give you ability where you didn't even think it was possible. That's the power of God. And in some seasons of our life, that's what God sovereignly wants to teach us and bring us to understand. And so some things you'll learn as you learn to trust in the sovereign plan of God. Number one, you'll learn to trust and trust God in the delays of your life. Number two, you'll learn to trust God with your situation in life, whatever it may be. You'll learn, number three, to trust God with your inabilities. But I say, number four to you this morning, you'll learn to trust God with your opportunities. Trust God with your opportunities. See, Joseph was given a great opportunity here. And he chose to use this opportunity not to advance himself, but to advance the Lord in his purposes. And we'll read about it more in just a minute, but understand he had learned to depend on God's power to fulfill God's purposes. And so after Pharaoh told him his dream, Joseph didn't hesitate. God divinely enabled him to be able to give the interpretation of the dream and furthermore, to give some instruction on how Pharaoh was supposed to respond to what God had told him. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 25. If you're there with me, say amen. amen. 
We getting tired this morning? We need, we need to get up and do some jumping jacks. Alright? We better not. We might we might have heart attacks if we do that, okay? And verse number 25, the Bible says, And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has, sh has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good years are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. Read the next phrase with me out loud. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine shall consume the land. Verse 31, And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Two times we read in, 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 in Joseph's discourse to Pharaoh there, that, that Joseph told Pharaoh, God has showed you what he's about to do. Now, two different Hebrew words are used for the word showed there. And what Joseph was telling Pharaoh here, uh, in the first instance, he told him that God had made known to Pharaoh his plan. And in the second instance that we read out loud together, he said that God has caused you, Pharaoh, to look at what he's about to do intently. So, so Joseph said, God has revealed this to you, and then he repeated it again so that you wouldn't forget. I don't know about you, but I learned as a young boy, if dad repeated himself, you better have heard what he said. <laughs> or it wouldn't, it wouldn't have turned out very well. Okay? And uh, even more so that's true, when God repeats himself. God doesn't repeat himself often. But God repeated the dream of the Pharaoh. And Joseph said, you better pay attention to it. God told you this because you're the, you're the leader of the, of the known world in our day and time. And he wants to use you to save the world. He wants to use your authority to guide you to help preserve life on this earth. And boy, I'll just say this. As we look at, as we look at this dream... Uh, the Bible tells us that there are seven uh, strong cows and seven uh, uh, good ears of corn uh, on one stalk that, that stood up, and those represented seven years of plenty. And then after them, there, there stood up seven lean cows and seven bad ears of corn, and, and they devoured the good. And the Bible says that they still didn't look like they were, that they still looked like they were lean and malnourished and bad after they had devoured the good. Now, if I, if I ate a big old cow, I think that I would show it, okay? Um, but uh, obviously, uh, God was trying to communicate that these years of plenty were going to be swallowed up by these years of famine. And the famine was going to be so bad that you weren't even going to be able to tell that the famine years were preceded by years of great plenty. You know, it's a principle of life. Seasons of great plenty are always followed by seasons of great scarcity. And so you'd be wise not to live your life trusting in your riches. Riches make themselves wings and fly away. The book of Proverbs tells us, listen, there's only one certainty about tomorrow, and that is God. Your riches won't keep you secure. Your wealth, your possessions, your job won't keep you secure. The one certainty you can have is God. James chapter number 4, verses 13 and 15 tell us, hey, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
Don't think that tomorrow is going to be a time of great prosperity for you. You're not in control of that. In verse 15, it tells us this is how we should live our life. If the Lord wills, we'll do this and we'll do that. I try to live my life by the principle of Lord willing. Okay? Because I'm not in charge. I don't get to determine if I'm going to live in a prosperous season or, or a famine season, but I can trust God in all those seasons. And that's what, that's what Joseph was trying to get across to Pharaoh here at this point in time. And so Joseph told Pharaoh that God repeated this dream because it was imminent. It was extremely important for him to prepare for it. Now, most of us would have stopped right there. All Joseph was asked to do was interpret the dream. But Joseph took a big step, step of faith here. And Joseph, in following what the Lord was leading him to say, he decided to go beyond interpreting the dream to giving instruction to the most powerful man in the world about how God said he should respond to the dream. And the Bible says in verse 33, Joseph speaking to Pharaoh, he said, Now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Joseph, a, a slave, a prisoner, is telling the most powerful man in the world what to do. But it wasn't him doing it. He was just speaking God's word to him. And he said, Pharaoh... Find a man discreet and wise and set him over the land and let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and, and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of the good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep them uh, keep food in the cities for the people. And so what Joseph did here is it took a lot of faith to give this instruction to Pharaoh. But what I want you to note about this, listen to me. Joseph... He did not just offer a warning from God to Pharaoh, but he went on to offer the way of salvation that God had provided. Amen. There's a significance there. Listen, God has not just called us as the people of God to tell people that they are condemned in sin. He has also called us to tell them about the way of salvation. Our job doesn't stop by telling people that they're sinners. In fact, that's not even a, a fraction of the, the biggest part of our job. Our job is to go tell people that Jesus saves. Right. Yeah. Jesus said in John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Joseph stood before Pharaoh and it took courage to say what he said, but God enabled him to do it. And Joseph said, Pharaoh, these years are coming, but let me tell you, God has a plan for us to be saved. God has a plan to sustain us through those years of famine. If you'll listen to the wisdom of God, and what we see is that Joseph used this opportunity not to advance himself, Remember when we talked to the butler earlier? When he interpreted the butler's dream? What's the first thing he said after? Remember me. Get me out of prison. Joseph doesn't do that here. He just trusts that God's going to take care of him. Joseph just tells Pharaoh what God's word is, and he trusts God to do the rest. And so he uses opportunity not to advance himself, but he uses opportunity to preach the gospel. He uses opportunity to advance God's kingdom and God's purposes. And friend, whatever season of life you may find yourself in, you will never go wrong in making the decision to live for the kingdom of God. 
using every opportunity God gives you, not to advance yourself, not to make it big for yourself, but using every opportunity God gives you in whatever season of life you may find yourself in to live for God and to accomplish God's purposes. I promise you, God will bless you for that. What does Matthew 6, 33 say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall what? Be added unto you. God can take care of your needs. He already knows what they are. You put God first. Joseph used this opportunity for the Lord here, we see. And so he was learning to trust God's sovereign plan. He wasn't trying to take matters into his own hand again. And as he was learning this, we learned lessons along with him. Learn to trust God's sovereign plan for your life. Trust God in your delays. Trust God with your situation, no matter how bad it may be. Trust God with your inabilities. Trust God with your opportunities. But the fifth thing I want you to see this morning will be done. Trust God with your promotion. Trust God with your promotion. Now, in all the words that Joseph spoke, again, I say, he did not say a word about himself. He didn't ask Pharaoh, if I interpret your dream, I need you to let me go from prison. I need you to give me my freedom. He didn't say a word about any of those things. He wasn't seeking his own agenda. He simply did what God asked him to do and trusted God to take care of him. And as we're about to read, we see because of his humility and faithfulness, he is about to be rewarded after a long season of trial. Verse number 37, if you're there, say amen. The Bible says, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. God gave Joseph great favor in the eyes of Pharaoh and all of his counsel. And amazing what we see take place here. It was obvious to them. It was obvious to anybody who looked at Joseph that God was with him and that God had given him special wisdom to be able to lead Egypt through this great trial. And you know, God orchestrated all the events uh, surrounding the world of that day so that Pharaoh would not, so that Joseph would not only be presented before Pharaoh, but so that Joseph would be promoted by Pharaoh. It's amazing. God worked out all of these details. Everything went exactly how God knew it needed to go to accomplish his great purposes. And God used the most powerful man in the world of that day, Pharaoh, to accomplish his purposes. Let me say to you this morning, God is still in the business of moving those in leadership to fulfill his sovereign purposes. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. You make no mistake about it. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in Congress. God is still in charge. Amen. Jerry Nadler, congressman, this past week, a very brave representative from Florida got up and began to read scripture about how God made women to be women and men to be men. And we ought not blur those lines. Amen. Jerry Nadler got up, and I quote, this is what he said. God's will is of no concern to this Congress. 
what a prideful statement. Right. Well, may I respectfully say, Jerry Denver, there's nothing you can do to stop God's will. Amen. Amen. Thing, in fact, I'm going I'm to mark that statement down in my mind. I have half a mind to believe that God's going to use Jerry Nadler to accomplish his purposes. Even as wicked of a statement as that was, defying God's authority. Listen, these people in authority are just tools in the hand of God. God is sovereign over all. His kingdom rules over all. And we'd be wise not to defy the sovereign authority of God in this world. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 14 says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken away from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. Friend, you can't stop the work of God. You can't prevent God's purposes in this world. You can just submit to them. God is the ruler over all that takes place in this world. And thus we see Pharaoh appointed Joseph as the grand vizier of Egypt. Uh, he was the second in command in all the land. He carried all the authority of Pharaoh. And the Bible goes on to tell us about what Pharaoh, the, the, the power that Pharaoh gave to him. And we find he was promoted not, in, not just in rank, but Pharaoh also promoted Joseph in riches and respect as well. Verse 42 tells us about it. It says, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, that's his signet ring, and he put it upon Joseph's hand. And he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him rule over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephnathpeania. Don't ask me to say that again. And he gave him to wife Azanath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Now just think about what just happened there. All right? Joe Pharaoh just gave Joseph all his authority to carry out his will. Joseph, or Pharaoh, arrayed Joseph in the royal robes and regalia. Pharaoh made every knee bow and tongue confess Joseph's lordship. Pharaoh gave Joseph a new and a royal name. And then Pharaoh gave Joseph a special bride from among his people. And we see in all of this, God took a little boy, a 17-year-old boy, and brought him from rags to riches in accomplishing his sovereign purpose. Never have we seen a story accepting Jesus Christ himself of someone being brought so low and then being exalted so high at the end of the story. But of course, what just happened to Joseph here reminds us of someone, doesn't it? Reminds us of Jesus. See, Jesus was brought low when he came down to this earth and he suffered death, even the death of the cross. Never has anyone gone any lower than Jesus Christ to suffer the wrath of God for all of our sins. And yet now God has exalted him. All authority is given to him in heaven and earth. He's been given a name that's above every name. He's been given the authority so that every knee uh, is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. He's been arrayed in the kingly garments of heaven. He's been given a special bride from his father, the church. I'm here to tell you this morning as we look at the life of Joseph and see this one brought so low and yet he was in the end exalted so high. It reminds us of our King Jesus of whom the Bible says one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess in heaven and earth that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
we as the church, as his ambassadors in this earth, as those servants went before Joseph everywhere he went and told people to bow the knee, we as the Lord Jesus as ambassadors in this earth get to go throughout this world until all we meet do the same thing, to bow the knee to our Lord Jesus. He is worthy. All authority has been given to him in heaven and earth. And oh, how wise you would be to submit to his sovereign authority in your life today. Now note this, Joseph had to learn through everything he'd gone through. He had to learn through the pit, through Potiphar's house, through the prison, and now being exalted to the palace, how to trust God's sovereign plan. After everything we've studied in his life up to this point, one thing we've definitely seen is that in every one of these scenarios, Joseph had to learn to trust God in a deeper way. And there'll be seasons of life you'll go through that won't be easy to go through. But that's what God wants you to learn as well. By the way, at the end of the story, God promoted him to a place that was far greater than what he ever could have imagined. And I'd like to think that God has the same plan for your life and mine. No, I'm not saying you'll become the vice president of the United States, okay? But I am saying that God has a greater plan for your life than what you could possibly comprehend. If you just trust him in the part of your life story that you're in today. You know, God's the one. God's the one who raises people up and puts them down. He's in charge of promotion. Uh, Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, for promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge and he puts down one and he sets up another. And so God's, God's in charge of this, this matter of promotion in your life, but don't, um, don't misunderstand God's ways of promotion. Listen, we get the idea that if we trust God, that it's going to be wealth, health, and prosperity for my life. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. It's going to be a bed of roses. But that's not always how God chooses to raise up his people. That's not always how God chooses to promote his people. Yes, sometimes God promotes his people by giving them positions of significance to be able to influence others. But other times he promotes people like he's doing for Margie Wood right now. Margie, she told me this story. What she's going through, it all started with a ingrown toenail. She went to go get that taken care of. Found out she had some serious heart problems. Doing ingrown toenail. And then went through this trial, having to step back from things and having to have a heart surgery. She had the heart surgery. She came home. Everything seemed fine. Then started to have some issues and had to go back to the hospital, went back to the hospital. And lo and behold, they found out the issues she was having had nothing to do with the surgery she had just had. They found a mass on her colon. We don't know if it's cancerous or not. But I talked to her on the phone and she, with tears of joy, was telling me about God's sovereign hand. She just couldn't believe how God had allowed something like an ingrown toenail to allow her down this pathway to discover all these things that really are likely going to result in saving her life. He said, that's not a promotion. That's a demotion. All that she's going through, no, God has raised her up as an example 
to you and I. Of how to trust him. No matter what the circumstance of your life. God raised up a woman like Donita. To trust in God's plan. As an example to you and I. I believe he did so for the sake of the salvation of her son. See, God's way of lifting us up is not always the way that we think it should be. But it's always good. And it's always beautiful. And friend, I don't care what season you find yourself in. In the middle of this part of your life story, you may not like the chapter that you're in. But God's not finished writing your story yet. You have no idea what God's doing, things you can't see. And so the challenge is, do you really believe God is sovereign? Do you really believe that God wants what's best for you? Then would you be willing to trust him in the season of your life that you're in? Trust him in the delays. Trust him with your situation you're struggling with today. Trust him with your inabilities. I can't do this anymore, God. Good. You can trust him to do it through you. Trust him with your opportunities. And then trust him with this matter of your promotion. Stop trying to, stop trying to promote yourself. Just keep doing what God's given you to do. And let God handle that in his time. The point is, in whatever season you're going through, just trust him. Let's bow our head and close our eyes together. Our heads are bowed. Our